Welcome back to Warrior's Den. This is another blog post series, and we are on episode 56 overall, plodding along there. So this series is um, a short one, though emotionally charged for many, and I'm sure some of the things I will say may trigger you. But living in a cloud of um, whatever you want to call it, pretending like the world isn't the way it is, is not helpful to anyone. So you might just have to deal with it or stop listening, whatever. But this series is essentially a two-part series in the blog post about if you were attacked, was it your fault? And then the second part is if you were attacked, it was most likely someone you know. Now, this is, of course, more specific to sexual assault, and in particular, a lot of the times, men versus women, unfortunately. So we will let you listen to, if you were attacked, was it your fault? First, if you already read the blog, cool. If not, now you've heard it. So let's get started. Listening to the Warriors Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga, turning lambs into lions. If you were attacked, was it your fault? Being assaulted, attacked, robbed, or anything similar will always be a horrible, unwanted experience. Yet at any given time, all over the world, it is happening to someone. For the purpose of keeping it simple, I'm only going to be discussing basic assaults, such as muggings. This subject will, of course, become more complex with regard to domestic disputes or when the assault involves close friends, relatives, or mentors. Such situations are impossibly complicated, as they are interwoven with emotion, personal connection, betrayal, and often shame. Perhaps domestic and close relationship violence could be a topic for another time, likely requiring another series. For our discussion, imagine you were attacked while walking home, or you were mugged at an ATM. These are terrible experiences, and yet they are often somewhat avoidable. If you still watch the news or follow trends, you may often hear the term victim blaming. Discussing fault is typically frowned upon and is considered cruel to say to the person who got attacked was, even partially, to blame. Particularly in cases where it may have seemed unavoidable, taking responsibility for what happened for most people is a daunting and heart-wrenching task. Before you jump down my throat, know that no one has the right to attack you and that these attacks are inexcusable. In most countries, there are laws against such things, some of which have been in place for thousands of years, yet this has not stopped assault, robbery, rape, and other garbage behavior. The idea that laws will protect you outright is in many cases delusional. If someone is trying to rob you, will you be able to call the police? Probably not. Even if you are somehow able to call 911, the response times can range from 5 minutes to no response at all, especially in today's anti-police climate, which means that when it comes to your own personal safety, you are the only one who can prevent immediate physical harm or death. 
Of course, size matters, and if you are underage with less life experience, it matters even more. If your attacker is bigger than you and you decide to target you, and they decide to target you, fighting may be considerably more difficult and risky. So what do you do, and why may it be your fault that you got attacked? Simple. The best self-defense is avoidance. Through Krav Maga teaches, though Krav Maga teaches to fight with all you have, this is really meant for when running is not an option. The goal, however, should always be to take a step back, think critically, and try to make a good decision and assessment so that you do not even have to fight, make a fight or flight decision. Hearing or even thinking that being attacked was, in one way or another, your fault is a difficult idea to swallow. And yet, if you don't want such things to happen in the future, you will have to make some changes. Again, we are not talking about assaults involving partner, friends, or relatives at this time. The concept of personal responsibility or ownerships, made more popular these days by Jocko Willink in his books Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership, and by others in various publications, is a difficult concept for many, even at the best of times. You see, we have this thing called an ego, and it wants to protect us and shift blame elsewhere. So if someone did a bad thing to us, we rationalize that it must be completely their fault. Yet, when it comes to self-defense and protecting yourself, that may not be entirely true. Were you walking in a way that made you seem like a victim? With your head low, shoulders rolled forward, for example, are physical indicators that you will lead an attacker to believe you are an easy target. Or did you, as Jordan Peterson would say, stand up straight with your shoulders high? It may seem silly, but this simple change will take you from the easy target to the potential problem in the eyes of the attacker. I myself am not the largest person being... 1.6 1.6 meters tall in the past around 65 to 68 kilograms or 5 5.6 1.650 pounds yet i managed despite my big mouth and tendency to offend people even when i was younger and did not know how to fight to not get jumped or attacked or worse much to my surprise in my case it's an explainable uh, inexplainable confidence that probably kept people guessing whether it was a good idea to attack me or not i managed because i talked big and looked the part of course occasionally i would recognize that i said the wrong thing to the wrong person and i was immediately aware of that instinctual feeling it's time to leave i know many people who ignore that feeling and then have problems for example Knowing when you are about to get in over your head in any situation is difficult, but knowing when you must leave early flight indicators will save you great pain and hardship. Failing to recognize that you A. just pissed off a bunch of people, B. are probably in over your head, and C. failed to avoid further conflict means that you are largely responsible for the resulting hospital trip. You failed to manage a bad situation, you stayed in that bad situation, and you allowed it to get worse. Another example is the classic taking a shortcut through the dark alley. Didn't your mother tell you not to? You cannot say all you want that the person who robbed you shouldn't have. And you are right, they shouldn't have. But your attacker doesn't care. They are operating on a different moral scale than you are. Even if they are just trying to survive, they don't have the right to take from you. But it really doesn't matter in the moment, because now you're in the situation and they are doing it. Failing to recognize that you are making a bad decision, a decision that put you in the position of being an easy target, makes it your fault. Failing to maintain situational awareness, to know when to run, when you must, might be your fault too. 
You might say, wait a second. For some people, their body will cause them to have paralytic fear, causing them to freeze up and prevent any decision-making that will be beneficial. So how can it possibly be their fault? Well, why did you go in the dark alley in the first place? Even if you knew it was a bad idea. Failure to recognize that the decision as your fault may cause you to make it again and further compound any psychological trauma you may have experienced from the result of the first bad decision. An addendum to that is I have had students and friends who regularly get in fights or regularly have the same problems over and over again because they're failing to recognize the bad decision-making process. Furthermore, what did you do to prepare for the violent situation? For most, the answer is nothing, which would then be your fault. You assumed it would never happen to you, and when it did, you may have found yourself asking, why didn't I do more? Prevention is the number one way to stay happy and healthy, which includes the ability to defend yourself. If you never learned even the basics of defending yourself, and you didn't keep your body in good health so that you can run, it is, again, your fault. We can say all we want that people shouldn't attack people, which they shouldn't, and it's their fault, but we cannot control other people. We can only control ourselves, which means our personal safety is on us and us alone. This, of course, doesn't apply to small children, but as a parent, you can teach and inform your child in an age-appropriate ways to give them the best possible chance of survival in any situation. So do you want to be the victim, or do you want to take a proactive pro- uh, approach to self-defense, taking full personal responsibility? Learn to make good decisions, avoid people who might be problematic in your life, and learn to defend yourself. Remember, it's your life and your responsibility. While others contribute to who you are and why you are the way you are, when it comes to assault, in that single moment of time, all the blame on society, your parents, your significant others are completely irrelevant. In that moment, it's only you and them. Did you do everything you could to avoid this horrible situation, or did you do nothing and wait to become a victim? Written by Jonathan Fader. Audio by Jonathan Fader. So, how about that? If you were attacked, was it your fault? It is a very controversial question, and I will talk about it more in depth later, but the concept of victim blaming has popped up a lot recently. And... If we tie this into the concepts of personal responsibility, then a lot of the times it might have been your fault from the basis that you probably could have made better decisions to prevent it in the first case. Now, as a general rule, I will say, though, that if you are a child or a young adult, there is a good chance it's not your fault because an older individual is being predatory or manipulative in nature. And you may not have the words, the experience, or the physical ability to defend yourself or see it coming. So in that case, yeah, that's the case of the attacker. It's mostly on them. But as an adult, once you're an adult, you have to learn to make good decisions for yourself. And while we can sit here and say it's the attacker's fault outright, uh, it's problematic. Now, should they have attacked you? No. Nobody has the right to physically harm you or sexually harm you. That does not mean it doesn't happen all the time, everywhere, throughout human history. Laws, if you remember, 
are for law-abiding citizens. Morality is, regardless of people's beliefs, they really are relative. Otherwise, we would not have different morals for different cultures and different countries and different ages. By the sheer fact that that's the case, they are obviously relative. Right? We could live in an alternative universe where murder is acceptable. But as a general rule in most cultures, globally, murder is not acceptable here. So there are certain consistencies with... Um, uh, what's considered morally acceptable or not. Like murder is generally not accepted at all. Sexual assault is generally not accepted. However, what constitutes sexual assault will vary, believe it or not, from place to place. And whether something is done about it, right? In some places, a woman reports that they get stoned. You know, was it their fault? Nope. Uh, they get punished anyway. And in other places, right, they'll ignore it. And in some places, they go too hard on that. And we'll discuss that a little bit later. Um, but the classic example I like to use for was it your fault? Sorry, ladies. If you are walking in a dark alley and there is questionable characters there and you are showing skin, do they have the right to say or do things that negatively impact you? No. Will they? Well, that depends. They might very well do. And the question you have to say is, why did you walk down that dark alley? You could be totally covered up. You could still get attacked. The decision to walk down that dark alley was yours and yours alone. Should they have attacked you? No. It is irrelevant in the moment. And I know for a lot of people, this is a very difficult concept that your decision resulted in something so extremely negative right the ability to avoid right four stages of self-defense avoid diffuse talk your way out of it fight strike first attack first if you feel a imminent threat is coming and then react last too many people are taught that violence doesn't solve anything i strongly disagree bully punches you you punch him back in most cases it'll stop Sometimes it gets worse, of course. And everyone always fears about that it gets worse. But you know what? If you don't stop or try to stop or you don't avoid, it's going to continue happening. That's another issue. If something keeps happening, you keep getting assaulted physically or sexually. There is a point where you're clearly making the decisions to continue in a pattern that allows this. Now, I understand the psychology of trauma and, you know, what can happen to people internally in the brain chemistry. It changes, you know, some people's reaction if they've been assaulted at a young age, if they've been assaulted physically or sexually, um, the brain changes and it causes them to choose a few options. Some people will clam up and just be withdrawn into themselves. Don't let anyone near them. Some people just go submissive every single time because they feel that being, you know, having it happen to them is better than getting beat up for, you know, whatever. In Kramagada mentality is though, you don't let it happen. You know, you try to make good decisions. Don't hang around people that are questionable. Don't go down dark alleys. Avoid it. Now, of course, avoidance is not always possible. Kramaga knows this. That's why we fight. In other situations where it's at home, you know, again, if it's a child who's stuck in an abusive household, there's very little they can do, unfortunately. And in those cases, again, it's not the child's fault. And I'm sorry, I don't trust governments and policing in these situations because often they just get put into poorly run government homes where more abuses happens. You can see this all over the world, 
right so you know in the cases where it's really not the fault of the of the victim the kid usually the best option is for someone a family member or close friend to step in and deal with it right but no it's going to be messy because if if the parents or guardians are litigious and aggressive it's going to get conflict illegal or otherwise and it gets messy real quick you know at the very least in those cases you can say my door is always open if you need to come here after school or whatever you just do it right and then you as the adult can deal with deal with it right now as an adult again the decision is yours maybe you've learned good decision making maybe nobody taught you if you find yourself getting attacked or in situations where you feel like the threat of attack is imminent constantly you have to ask yourself is it one is it real threat right because a lot of people will feel like they're you know someone's walking down the street and it's a threat i think in vancouver um street people drug addicts whatever you want to call them people that live on the street quite frankly even if they're mentally ill at least here they leave you alone most of the time you know do i make a habit of walking down the streets where they're all on the streets not so much but generally you just keep walking you ignore it they leave you alone right other places they're very aggressive right if we were talking about um in san francisco area some of them are quite aggressive but that's not always the case everywhere right right obviously if you can avoid it avoid it sometimes you can't right if you commute um in in vancouver from certain places to other places on the transit some of the transit lines not going to be an issue other the transit lines it's going to be more issue you're going to see drunk people you're going to see people high you're going to see all sorts of stuff and again for the most part there's no issue right if you take that uh sky train here we have every day you know should you be fearful of getting on it not really because on average nothing really happens right so if you're getting on every time terrified that today might be the day that you're going to attack that's that's a psychological thing you got to work out right that we do have emergency call buttons there for example that will stop it at the next station quietly and the police will show up right so there are ways um I know, both as an instructor and personally, people who have regularly been beat up, men and women. And I know uh, that sometimes it's because they keep making the same bad decision over and over and over and over, and it keeps happening. I'm not talking about bad or wife syndrome. Uh, just people making life decisions where they are always around certain types of people. They're always around... Uh, you know, certain subcultures where people have a tendency to be aggressive or, you know, you go into all these protests all the time in America and you wonder why you keep getting punched in your face. I advise people don't go to protests. And so did Tim Kennedy uh, in a recent Joe Rogan podcast, right? Anyone who knows group violence knows don't go to protests because it goes sideways real fast. Now, do you have a right to peacefully protest? Absolutely. But if you know the trend is towards violence like vancouver protests almost never violence i still don't go to them because i really do not like crowds you know even if i support them i don't want to get in the crowd because i just know how things can go sideways even if here it's not that common in the states however it can go sideways real fast no matter what your political leaning you go to one of those protests there's a good chance you're going to get attacked sorry your fault you went to something you know could potentially be violent. You clearly weren't prepared for it, and you got attacked. And then you did it again the next protest, and you got attacked. Come on, right? There are better ways to go about it. I, hope, I wish, though, they were all peaceful protests, right? Again, nothing wrong with that. But that's not always the case. 
right? So you have to really acknowledge, is it as a result of decision making that I made that allowed me to get attacked? Or was it simply due to bad circumstances? Now, you know, wait a little bit. I'm writing a series on the avoidance, um, this four stages of self-defense, and I'm using personal experience. Now, you'll get the hardcore people in the cult of science saying, your gut feeling is irrelevant. Never listen to it. You're probably just being racist, or you're probably just being overreactive. And the truth is, not, not really. I suspect, right, there's no research that I can quickly pull up to, to back this up, but I'm hypothesizing that there are certain internal mechanisms, gut bacteria, whatever, things about our body we just don't understand yet, that through experience, possibly genetic lineage, who the hell knows, that tell us things sometimes. And we, as intelligent conscious beings, tend to ignore them. A lot of people do. My personal experience with that gut feeling that something is not right with the situation has usually been very accurate. And when I get that feeling, I leave the situation. Now, even if it's just me having anxiety with the social situation, I'll still leave if I'm able to. Because me feeling anxious, me feeling nervous can only make situations worse. Because if you're feeling anxious and nervous, other people are going to be feeling anxious and nervous. And if it's just a casual social setting, unless it's with close friends that you enjoy, right? Perhaps just say, hey, I got to go. I'm leaving. All right. Not because you expect violence, but because you acting anxious and nervous uh, and you feeling that feeling, even though there's no real threat, you are just not going to be able to communicate effectively. And, you know, time to go. So, so things don't go sideways. Now, I've had other situations where like the person is acting in a behavior that's weird and you get that weird feeling and then I'm up on I'm up on my like you know the the hair on my neck is up and you realize okay now I'm going from yellow color code mental color code to now orange something's not right and I'm listening to that feeling now I know I genuinely know people who they get that feeling and they don't think anything of it and they wonder why they get in fights all the time because they're ignoring it. Maybe they don't have the ability to read body language subconsciously or consciously. Maybe they don't understand the tones in words, right? That's why you always, funnily enough, want to learn the swear words in any country, in any language that you're in. That way you know if you're pissing somebody off. Because if you're in another country where they don't speak the same language, you need to know if people are mad at you. Because then you can at least pay attention to the body language. And if that's the body language then gives you issues, time to go. If you ignore it and continue to stay, that's your fault. Just you did not listen to what you were seeing. Your senses were telling you the actions. Other people were telling you something and you were ignoring it. Therefore, it is your fault because you made the bad decision. Now, you walk into a biker bar and it's clearly a biker bar, like a gang biker bar. Not the right bar to be in. And if you're just going to be like, I'm going to sit here and have a drink, and they're all staring at you like, why the hell are you in this bar? And you continue to stay, and then you get stabbed. Yeah, that one's kind of on you. These people are clearly aggressive type individuals. They are probably not law-abiding, and they don't want you there, and you're not getting the signals. A few drinks later, they're getting aggressive. Right? Again, no one has the right to assault you physically or otherwise. It doesn't stop people from doing it. And that's why you need to learn the skills to be able to fight off individuals. And before that, read this room. 
Are you pissing people off? Are people being aggressive towards you verbally or otherwise? Are they yelling at you? Are voices getting rained? Are their bodies tightening up? Are they looking like they're going to punch you, right? Avoidance is reading. Don't be there in the first place, but reading the room and realizing it's time to leave. That's also avoidance. Because if you get to stage two in diffusion, you're going to have some issues. Maybe you're really terrible at it and you just made the situation worse. Maybe you didn't. It is hard to say. You have to learn that you can actually avoid conflict by making good decisions. And that way the onus is on you to prevent things from happening before they happen. Again, they shouldn't attack you. Now here's another thing. Have you been preparing for conflict? As in, do you know martial arts? Can you handle yourself? The failure to realize that violence is a possibility and you prepare accordingly is a hard one for people because preparing accordingly is a lifelong journey of process and most of the world's population would rather be sitting down on the couch doing nothing, not learning. Right? You are not as tough as you think you are until you've been thrown in the wolves and learn, am I actually as tough as I think I am? You know, physics does matter. We discuss this all the time. But if you have the skill, you can over, you know, you can compensate for that. And now you're prepared. You've put in the time and effort, practice good avoidance. Uh, I was listening to an interview with Chaim Zut before he passed his way, uh, you know, Grandmaster in Krav Maga in Israel passed away this year um, he was saying you know if you only have to use your Krav Maga once in 20 years it was worth the 20 years of training right so avoiding did you make good decisions to not even have to deal with it and if violence if we go into stage 2 have you learned the verbal skills that one's a little harder actually believe it or not but you can learn them sales jobs are also really good for doing that and then if it gets to physical conflict, have you done things to prepare yourself for these situations? And most the answer for most people is no. And then they're completely under uh, unable to deal with it. Now, I know women who weren't trained, but were attacked physically or sexually. And they fought like a crazy person and they got away. The people who attacked them were bigger. They got away. It, cause not because they were trained, but because they were willing to do what it took get out of that situation some people have it intuitively some people do not if you know you do not you need that training you need it and if you don't want to do it because you somehow think it's going to make you more violent that's just patently not true but if for most people at least and if you are one of those other people you should probably see a professional to see what's going on in your head and figure out why why it does that right so again the idea of you getting attacked traumatic experience being your fault is something we don't want to hear we don't want to talk about it if you do you're attacked and i'll get into the victim blaming thing soon um it's just not right you're adults you're individuals you cannot rely on the state the government to protect you at all times it's just not possible from a manpower perspective from a legal perspective from a financial perspective we need to stop relying on other people and the governments to protect us. If the average police time call is five to eight minutes here, some places 20 minutes, some places three hours, you can't wait. You have to learn yourself. 
to avoid these situations. You have to learn yourself how to talk your way out of these situations. And if you have to fight, learn how to fight your way out of these situations. That part is all on you. I never said it's going to go well either way. But doing something is always better than nothing. And preparing properly is how you're going to prevent it. If you've done everything you can and you're just overwhelmed, then yeah, no, it's not your fault, right? But you did everything you could to prevent it, right? And then you can not feel bad. Now, if something happens and you feel that psychological trauma creeping up on you that you are blaming yourself, etc., that's why people talk about victim blaming because psychologically it's a very difficult thing for people to get over when they have a traumatic experience. You know, they'll blame themselves, right? Again, if you were a child and you were assaulted and you become an adult and you're still blaming yourself, I'm sorry, no, don't blame yourself, not your fault. If it happens as an adult and you're not fixing things, a lot of people don't like to admit that the behaviors they're doing are causing people to react this way. Does that mean you have to change who you are? Perhaps. That's a hard, hard, hard journey, though. Or maybe it could be just recognizing that you are like that and you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Now, moving on to the second one. If you were attacked, it was most likely someone you know. So listen to this. If you were attacked, it was most likely someone you know. Last week, I wrote in the article, If you were attacked, was it your fault? Though it shouldn't be, it is quite a controversial concept as to who wants to take responsibility, even partially, for being attacked. Usually no one. We tend to prefer our understanding of things from binary. We apply our black and white perspectives to some categories, yet often and simultaneously we adhere to a belief in gray areas and spectrum for others. The thing is, you have to pick. In reality, occurrences fit the bell curve model, and it's not so black and white. Ideally, all events in our lives should be analyzed case by case, but this is the energy-intensive way of looking at the world mentally and emotionally. So as we are human and prefer easy answers, we apply blanket logic even when it's the most inappropriate. That being said, when you are mugged, robbed, or otherwise attacked by a stranger, it is considerably more black and white than when you are attacked by someone you know. As martial artists, we often focus only on the former, even though most of the time it is actually the latter that is the problem. One Glasgow University study found that out of 991 sexual assault victims they interviewed, almost 90% knew their attacker, with only 9% being victimized strangers. One of the reasons we don't talk about this openly, on average, is because it is difficult, messy, emotionally charged, and so gray, full of shades, that it's like being colorblind and trying to tell the difference between red and green. Yet as a self-defense instructor, both in my personal and professional life, I have encountered many, many, many individuals who have experienced any combination of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. Yes, it is mostly women who have lived through these scenarios, but I have also met men who have had such experiences. As a society, while some people are willing to discuss violence within social circles, family violence or partner abuse is often politicized. The general attitude is to pretend like everything is alright, when if you know where to find it, you can witness the worst of humanity. 
to emphasize this point, I would like to relate to an experience I had dealing with hoarder houses. No, not some TV show, but rather what I've actually seen while working for a company that handled junk removal. Much to my surprise, extreme examples exist in an area like Metro Vancouver. In fact, they were far more numerous than one would think, and often those houses looked no different than the ones next to them from the outside. One of the most unfortunate memory memorable and disturbing cases was in a home which a man who was clearly a heroin junkie and a single father with several kids our best guess based on the conditions we encountered were that and the items we removed was that the individual routinely locked his children under the stairs in cages leaving them to defecate in yogurt bottles while he got high yes you read that right Abuses by family or friends are very much like these hoarder houses. Individuals, both victims and abusers, often go to great lengths to hide the fact that it is happening. This could be due to fear, shame, misguided loyalty, or any of various other reasons why silence occurs. One thing I know for sure is that most cases society fails to reasonably deal with these horrible situations. For adults, getting out could mean losing financial stability, shelter, and social support from friends and family. For children, it is far more complicated. Of the abuse victims I have met, several have admitted privately that they didn't say anything because they didn't want to break the family apart. For others, it's simply shame and fear of judgment. The responsibility to protect yourself, however complex the situation may be, is more on the victims themselves, and yes, I understand the psychology involved, is quite great. However, when it comes to children, the fault is primarily on the responsible adults in their lives, the ones who are often choosing to ignore the obvious signs of abuse. Regarding adults, an example I encountered in my own life was a friend who I had long ago. They regularly made bad decisions, even though they knew they were bad. They had a pathological case of cognitive dissonance. One time, late at night, they called me asking to pick them up because their partner was being abusive. I showed up as they were walking to the car. Their partner started sprinting towards the vehicle. I pulled a move that I wish I had filmed as I opened the passenger door, grabbed their hand, pulled them into the vehicle, and sped forward doing a 180 while their partner was punching the driver's side window so hard they left bloody knuckle marks. My friend called the police and they asked if we wanted to press charges. My friend did not. I could have. I honestly don't recall why I didn't. Later that night, my friend asked me to take them back. They were out and could have easily chosen to leave permanently. One month later, their partner was stabbed and killed in a fight after pulling their own knife out in a struggle. The newspapers reported what a saint the guy was on account of him being a volunteer firefighter and his mother couldn't understand why her lovely son died. Except I, like others, knew the truth. They ignored the fact that he was violent, had a criminal record, and is quite frankly a piece of shit. When it comes to children, it's even more complicated, largely on account of what happens when it is deemed that they should be removed from their parents or guardians due to abuse. Well, they often end up in the system, a child welfare system, welfare system in which many cases is worse for the child than their own home. Yes, that's worse than the one they were being abused in. Horrible, I know. The reality is, with kids and adults, one of the best things you can do to try to offer any, them sanctuary, if possible with kids, try to gain some of, form of guardianship. Of course, the system doesn't make that easy either. If 
at this point you're having difficulty reading this or listening, it is okay. It is a dark subject, and I'm barely even scratching the surface. Yet, while the world is currently the best place it has ever been to live, ignore the fear-mongering. There is still evil and darkness out there, even close to home. We, as a society, have a tendency to only focus on that which can be politicized rather than which is obviously wrong with what we have built. The simplest thing we can do is help those in our lives who may be at risk by doing whatever you can, whether that means paying for their self-defense lessons, providing them a shelter, or giving them financial support. You can do more than you think. Whatever you decide, you know that you are probably better help than the system. The government and justice systems have completely failed on this matter, at least in the West. In other countries, there isn't even a system to help those who would be abused. For many, the world is better than ever. For others, it is still a nightmare. When we talk about these topics, we must be honest and not jump to one-liners, slogans, and broad statements. It must be a case-by-case requiring sincere consideration. If you know someone, female, male, or other, adult or child, who you think is being abused, ask yourself, what can you do to help? Written by Jonathan Fader. Audio by Jonathan Fader. Okay, so this one is not as pleasant, and you may have emotional reactions to this one. It's very um, dramatic in some cases, right? So think about it. Um, Now, of course, one of the reasons I started doing these blog posts, because rather than me just doing random rants with my chaotic, crazy thought patterns that is hard for a lot of people to follow, you know, we have the blogs being read with some concise arguments being made that you can use, right? And then when we going on now this one i'm going to use a little bit of statistics um to pull stuff up so i'm just going to start in canada now i'm just looking at a government of canada stat one police reported crime statistics in canada 2018 you know usually there is a delay this was released in july 22nd 2019 uh stat can uh government www.150.statcan.gc.ca forward slash n1 forward slash pubs forward slash 85 dash 82 dash x forward slash 201 9001 forward slash article forward slash 00013 dash ing eng dot html right yeah just if you want to look it up so i'm just going to look at a few things about here i'm scrolling down this will happen for this section so let's just look at it now rate in 2018 per 100,000 population sexual assault level 1 76 so 76 people per 100,000 reported a level 1 sexual assault what that means is a level 1 sexual assault is causes little or no physical injury right whether there is penetration or not level 2 sexual assault involves a weapon threat or bodily harm so damage is done weapons are involved level 3 is a serious you know, significant wounds, disfigurement, life-threatening, right? So most are level one in Canada, right? Whether there's penetration or not. So why the attackers are most likely to be someone you know? It's often family members. It's often friends, right? Because people feel safe around these people, not realizing they have predatory nature or bad behavior and bad morals, right? So... That's reported, of course. It's not always reported. And this this one is, there's lots of other stuff about overall, all overall stuff. So I'm not going to spend too much time, too much time on it. Now I'm going to skip over to another government of Canada. 
This was a uh, Bill C-46 Records Application Post Mills Case Law Review, right? Um, this one is justice.gc.ca forward slash ENG forward slash RP dash PR forward slash CSJ dash SJC forward slash CCS dash AGC forward slash RR06 underscore VIC VIC two forward slash P3 underscore four dot HTML. Right? Uh, so statistic of sexual assaults continued. So let's just read this. The majority of sexual assault crimes are not reported to the police. Sexual assault is among the crimes which are least likely to be reported to the police. The 1999 General Social Survey on Victimization found 78% of sexual assaults were not reported to the police. In addition, incidents of sexual assault are not always reported immediately after the offense has taken place. In some cases, sexual offenses are reported long after an incident has occurred. Victims do not report the incidents of sexual assault prior to the police for many reasons. Explanations. Now, these stats I'm curious about because it's how can you have this combination of stats. But anyway, explanation provided by victims include the incident was dealt with another way, 61%. It was not deemed to be important enough, 50%. All right, that's not a good, that's not good. Uh, it was considered to be a personal matter. You know, if you know how to deal with it, you can do it. Or they did not want the police involved, 47%. There's reason for that. Police get involved can make things worse sometimes. Not always, but can. One-third, 33% of victims who did not report felt the police could not do anything about it. I have personally seen and been involved in those situations. And approximately one-fifth, 18%, believed that the police would not help them. They may try, but their ability to do so is a different different story. Another fifth, 19% of victims of sexual assault did not report the incident to police because they feared revenge by the offender, right? And if that's the case, that person probably should be off the streets or home because they're a piece of crap. And 14% sought to avoid public publicity regarding the incident. Totally valid, right? You're already dealing with enough emotions. You don't want it out there. Right? There's a lot of privacy and confidential issues as well. And, of course, identifying high-risk groups is all in this article, but I'm not going to go in-depth. Right? Some groups are more likely to be um, sexual assault victims. Right? For example, uh, children and adults with disabilities are a particular risk. 40% of women with disability have been assaulted, sexually assaulted, or abused in some way. These researchers estimate 83% of women's disabilities will be assaulted, sexually assaulted, or abused in their lifetime. That's to do with victims and predators. Predators want easy targets, right? It happens in the wild. Humans are animals. Stop pretending we're not. We operate the same way. Research based on the VAS found that, I'm not sure what that is, 39% of ever-married women with a disability or disability health problems reported physical or sexual assault by a partner over the course of their married lives compared to 29% of female population. So what that probably means is that they should have at least verbalized they don't want something and then it, the person does it anyway, right? Here's where I'll have a contention. If you don't tell them ever and you do nothing... If they're a reasonable human being, they might actually not know they're doing anything wrong. Right? This idea that people always know is not true. If you fail to communicate, once you have, of course, then they, they know. If they choose to ignore it now, it's a different story, right? Context matters, right? 
So basically, it's going over people with disability, right? Now, let's get to the accused is generally known by the vic- known to the victim. In the vast majority of crimes of sexual assault, the accused is known to the victim in 80% of sexual offenses. In 2002, two-fifths of all victims, 41% were assaulted by acquaintances, 10% by a friend, acquaintances versus friend, right, co-workers, people you kind of know but aren't pretty much, you know, too close, 10%. Uh, 28% by a family member, uncles, stepfathers, fathers, mothers even sometimes. And the remaining 20% were victimized by strangers. So 20% it's a random person. 80% of the time, it's someone you at least know to a certain degree. And then more than half of the sexual assaults against adults, 52%. And youth, 12 to 17, 58% were committed by friends and acquaintances. Now with the youth, a couple things. Right, there is a power dynamic between uh, authority figures, parents, teachers, you know, etc. And so there could be the role playing of they're the authority figure. I have to do what they say. The other thing is that youth's verbal ability to communicate, teenagers, is not always there yet and may not always know how to communicate effectively or have the courage to communicate effectively to say no or stop things out, right? That's why there's a lot of talk about you need to learn to say no. Though no doesn't always mean no if you're into certain sexual fetishes, fantasies, you know, you got to know these things. So it's got to be a clear, like, I am not interested. I'm not, this is not going to happen any further. Please stop. Very clear. That way, there's no confusion. Because then if they continue, there's no excuse for them saying, I didn't understand. No, you made it very clear. It's got to be clear, not just no. Sorry, it has to be very clear. Uh, and I know I'll get in trouble for saying that, but it, it, things are not as black and white as everyone wants them to be. As you've known from my previous stuff, there's things are nuanced. Communication is nuanced. And uh, sometimes as people of different cultures, the nuances don't don't travel over so well. Right. I remember hearing a story of a girl who was doing stand up. She's from France. And she said how she liked the catcalling of Europe and she found it weird and thought men had no balls, you know, figuratively to catcall here. So again, it's not, stop being so obsessed with your local cultures and thinking that's global. It's not always, right? Then we have uh, in this article, gender differentials in spousal and ex-spousal violence and their, in their physical and emotional consequences, right? Spousal violence is critical and increasingly recognized problem in Canadian society. So for once upon a time when people thought your spouse was your property, particularly men owning women, you know, they thought it was their right. Even in the 50s and 60s, sex ed often included just do what the guy wants. It's not the case anymore, right? Morals have changed. Right. So according to the Family Violence in Canada report, one quarter of all violent crimes reported in a sample of police services in 2001 involved cases of family violence. Two thirds of these cases of violence were committed by a spouse or an ex-spouse and 85 percent of the victims were female. Now, which this does mean it can happen to men, too. So we need to knock it off with the attitude. That it's only women. Yes. Statistically, it's very higher percentage of women due to the strength and power dynamics, but it can happen to men. So please be aware of that. Uh, there have been increased numbers in uh, both female and male victims of spousal violence between 95 and 2001. Could be just because we're measuring it. 
better now and what we classify. People forget about stats, classifications change, etc. Because I suspect humans were much more violent in the past. But I think it's just more reported now. We classify things different. Anyways, continuing. However, the rates of spousal violence against females have been consistently higher uh, than those against males. That That's probably going to be universally consistent, right? Skipping ahead, similar rates of spousal violence are reported by both sexes. However, much higher rates of women were sexually assaulted by their spouses, 20% compared to 3% of men. So again, it does happen, etc. Let's see what this one. Multiple factors cause women to be more likely to have therapeutic records, right? Men don't like to talk about it enough, especially if if sexual assault happens. By the way, men get sexually assaulted all the time in prison. People forget about that, right? Just just be aware. Um, Here's another one. A... uh, related to it was done with stats can but it was looks like it's from some sort of other thing uh my sister's place dot ca slash up forward slash uploads forward slash one four two four two six seven one seven two underscore stats percentage sign 20 canada percentage sign 20 study.pdf right so this one is talking about just measuring violence against women uh, let's see. Violence against women has been recognized at both the national and international levels as a serious and ongoing impediment in gender equality, right? So if men have the right to peace and safety, so do women. Now, here's the deal. Why aren't more women in martial arts? Period. End of story. Why are more women not in martial arts? Now, some people... Uh, have cultures where they feel it's not a place for the women and if you're in North America and you believe that I'm sorry and I'm going to be rude go fuck yourself really all women have the right to learn to defend themselves all women should be doing martial arts quite frankly I think martial arts should be mandatory in schools but that's me right so let's just skip down on this defining violence against very important and something to understand that it's a lot of things have been redefined over the years so if you don't know the contextual definition back in the past versus now, it can change how you read into things. An example is mass shootings. That number is slowly creeping down. Eventually, they'll call a one-person shot mass shootings. That's politically motivated, okay? It's, it's, you have to understand it used to be like a high number, like 30, 20. Now, then it's down to 10. Now, it's down to, I think, 4 in some places, right? That constitutes a mass shooting. So... You have to understand stats and definitions change over the time, and it can dramatically affect how you interpret information. If you read it 10 years ago versus reading it now, you'll have different perspectives and biases. Right? So let's just look at what they say here in this article. Defining violence, and these are all Canadian right now, right? Defining violence against women. The scope and definition of violence against women varies widely, ranging from definitions restricted to specific forms of violence against women to the more inclusive definitions adopted by the United Nations. The 93 UN Declaration of Elimination Against Violence Against Women has defined violence against women as any act of gender-based violence that results in or is likely to result in physical, sexual, or psychological harm or suffering to women, including threats of such acts, coercion, or arbitrary deprivation of liberty, whether occurring in public or private life. 
Right, most of that's pretty good. I will have something with the mental aspect. I generally believe if everyone's telling you something was wrong and you didn't think anything is wrong, it, it actually can cause psychological harm. And there have been cases of this where someone didn't think anything of it. It's like, I'm not bothered by what happened to me, whatever. Mentally, they're actually okay. And then their friends and family convinced them that it's not. And it pushed them into now a dipper because everyone handles things differently they may actually be fine and that's the thing if someone has some trauma they don't want to talk about it you can't force them and some people might actually genuinely be fine whatever it is in their brain has decided they don't care there's no psychological trauma so you do have to be careful um coercing people to believe things that they didn't believe in the first that then then causes them further damage so when it comes to the mental there's been an overcompensation of that recently and i feel like there's a lot of people who are fine that are not now not because they've been told from a social perspective no no sometimes it's clear like but you have to be careful right Right, measuring violence against women. So this is important too. To provide comprehensive picture of the extent and nature of violence against women, both police reported crime data and self reported victimization data are used. Self reports it's hard to use. It's not the most scientific as far as it's 100%, but it's all they got sometimes, right? Because they can't go to every single sexual assault or physical assault on the spot and do, yes, this happened, right? So uh, uh, with memory already being a fickle thing, details of things can often be worse or uh, not as bad when reported as th- they were in real life, right? You have to remember these things. Each source has its own, and this is back to the article, each source has its own benefits and limitation to measuring violence. Exactly. It's not a perfect system. So you get people latching onto these things and they go ham because it says this without understanding the actual methodology used to collect the data, right? It does matter. Police reported surveys, back to the article, provided an indicator that the extent of any nature of all criminal code offenses, etc., right? So again, it gives you an example. I'm not going to read through this whole article. It's quite extensive. But you get the idea. And this is all Canada. Right? It goes on. Prevalence of violence against women. Right? Let's read that. That's relevant. Police reported, right? According to police reported data, about 173,600 women aged 15 years and older were victims of violent crime. That doesn't necessarily mean sexual. It just means violent. This translates into a rate of 1,207 female victims for every 100,000. That's a higher stat than the other one, right? Uh, women in the... See how stats vary depending on who's doing it. Women in the population slightly higher than the rate for men, which is 11. So when they're talking about just violence, sexual or otherwise, it's actually kind of equal. You know, it's off by women slightly higher, right? In this stat, that's why that stat is radically different. I think the previous stat now I'm understanding was actually sexual specific assault. So violence on its own is a lot higher than sexual specific assaults, right? It's back to it. Some forms of violence against women have decreased in recent years. Data from incident-based uniform crime reporting trends show file... Files show a decreased in police-reported attempt murders and physical assaults against women between 2009 and 2011. However, the rate of police-reported sexual assaults against women increased in 2010 and remained stable in 2011. Not sure why that would be. It's a good question to ask why it went up that year. Following nearly three decades of decline, the rate of homicide against women has been relatively stable. Not going to be a popular opinion, but I'm going to speculate when you have massive amounts of immigration from countries where they don't see women the same, right? 
that's what happens when you don't integrate. I'm just speculating, but I suspect that's probably at a time when there was a lot, lot of going on in the world and a lot more immigration coming in. Nothing against immigration, but when you don't assimilate people, at least cultural, what's culturally acceptable, which often doesn't happen, that kind of thing happens, and then after a while they learn how to do things here, right? In 2011, the five most common violent offenses committed against women were common assault, 59%, uttering threats, 13%, serious assault, 10%, sexual assault, level one, right? And criminal harassment, 7%. So the sexual assault numbers are actually a lot lower than the media has been telling you, right? If we're looking at... Uh, out of that 1,207 people, 7% was sexual assault. In that previous article I was citing, um, you know, you're looking at 70-something per 100,000, right? So again, they'll say one in five women or 50% of women, that 50% number of sexually assaulted is probably too high. So just to give you some context, uh, that's just media hype. Does it mean it's still happening? Absolutely. But violence on its own versus sexual violence, it, it really does matter how you categorize it, right? Now, overall, men were responsible for 83% of police reporting violence committed crimes against women. Most commonly, the access was the women intimate partner. Again, learn to communicate with your partners. If you fail to learn to communicate, you need to ask the question, is it my fault? If you've communicated and it's not, time to leave. Yes, I understand battered wife syndrome. I understand. I'm not discrediting it. Not It just, you got to make the decision, time to leave. Gone. And you know it's not going to be easy. It's what you need to do. A non-spousal family member, 12%. This contrast, violent crimes against men where intimate partners were among least common perpetrators, 12%. As someone who has been assaulted by partners, it does happen. Didn't go well, didn't go very far because obviously I, I know how to defend yourself, myself. So it didn't go very far. Um, but it's not the point. So in about half of all, fifth, half 51% of female victims, intimate partner violence suffered injury. So you get the idea. This article goes on and on and on. Again, I'll post all these things here. I have now made the case clearly there is violence against women. Outright violence is pretty even to men. That's not being reported accurately, though. Sexual assault, though, is going to be higher amongst women, but it's not at the rate that people are saying. And if we keep redefining what sexual assault is, that'll change. Obviously, the numbers are going up, right? So you have to be realistic here. None of it is good, right? Um, this actually, the article I just scrolled down was on an, uh, under the age of 12, right? So obviously it's going to happen. I won't get into the details, but it's a lot. You know, in just here in 2011, approximately 8,200 girls under the age of 12 were victims of violent crime. So kids are not immune. And kids, when I said it's going to be, um, it's going to be not their fault because they're in they don't have the skills they haven't learned it and the quote-unquote responsible adults around them are failing they're shitty people you know and to me it doesn't matter that you were sexually assaulted as a kid or you were abused can't do it in the modern time we've decided it's inappropriate you can't do it right oh but you don't understand they have nope fix your shit you cannot do it to other people especially those who are unable to defend themselves like we talked about being disabled. So if you're disabled, not your fault. If you're a kid, not your fault. But if it keeps happening to you, let's say you do have trauma and it keeps happening to you and over with different people. At a certain point, 
It's your failing to make the changes internally or otherwise to learn to prevent these things from happening. I know people, men and women, again, who have been assaulted sexually or otherwise. It happened more than once with different people over the years. There is psychological stuff going on there. But there is a point where if it keeps happening to you constantly, you are making bad decisions. Right? So I'm going to look at this Canada Women's Foundation I found. Right? So you obviously are going to realize that the bias is it's a probably run by people who've been assaulted themselves. There may be some trauma involved and they're doing a good thing and trying to protect women, but there is some biases here. And again, statistics are, are, um, all over the place, right? So you have to be aware, um, about that. So let's just take a look. This one is canadawomen.org forward slash WP dash content forward slash uploads forward slash 2017 forward slash 09 forward slash facts about sexual facts dash about dash sexual dash assault dash and dash harassment dot PDF. Right. I'll post these links, by the way, in the thing. Right. So let's just take a look at this much shorter document. I've already read through it a bit and there's some biases. Some I do not agree with. Right, sexual assault and harassment and persistent forms of violence against women that are rooted in gender inequality. In fact, sexual assault is is the only violent crime in Canada that is not on the decline. Right? Not on the decline. This is 2017. Its impact goes far beyond survivors dealing with aftermath of sexual assault costs Canadian billion dollars every year. Not sure, but I would imagine because we do have so, some socialized healthcare, it does kick into the, our system and costs money. So if you know people sexually assaulted or assaulted and you're able to help, you have the mental, physical, and time capacities to help them out, you should, rather than leaving it to the system. The system at the lower level, from a mental health perspective, not that great. From both my personal experience and my understanding Right, It's better than America where they don't really have that network, but it's still not that great. Too many opinions about how to fix this stuff when really it's pretty pretty consistent, right? Um, cognitive behavioral therapy has an insanely high success rate for all sorts of problems. And yet there's counselors and psychologists still latch on to these other areas of psychology and counseling methodology, even though this is beyond statistically good. Something running at like 80 to 90 percent is unheard of, right, for a success rate. So, you know, that's where the focus needs to be. Not a lot of this other nonsense. Um, it actually works better than a lot of medication, by the way. Um, so the facts sheet here, as Dave presented at Canadians Women's Foundation, right? So they're going to talk about myths here. So let's talk about it. And, and again, this relates to, is it your fault? Because you need to understand these things. There's a lot going on. But again, it's still a decision-making. So is sexual assault really as common as some people say? Women self-reported 553,000 sexual assaults in 2014. Right? They're not actually... It just says, according to Statistics Canada General Social Survey on Victimization, without me looking into it, how do they define those sexual assaults? I don't know. Me questioning that is valid from a statistical and scientific perspective is that what does that mean? What did they classify? 
of self-reported, right? Because if I touch you on the shoulder and you say that's sexual assault, well, I don't really think so, right? I'm, it's possible there are over-exaggerations. And I'll, I read something in another article discussing that. Um, let me just see if I can see... I was reading in one of these that actually it's gone down. False reports are dramatically down, so that's good. I forgot which one. Anyways, women are 10 times more likely than men, etc. Now, I'm just going to skip through some of this because it's getting repetitive. It should have made the point, right? Here's one. Certain groups of women are higher risks. Young Canadians, more likely. The rate of sexual assault for Canadians aged 15 to 24 is 18 times higher than the Canadians 55 and older. 80% of victims of sexual assault under the age of 18 are female and girls under the age of 18 reported rate of sexual violence almost five times higher than boys girls are four more likely than boys see why it gets very emotional right our daughters our wives for the normal humans that aren't treating them like crap right it's very emotional topic because we do want to protect them women with disabilities that we discussed sexual assaults account for about 33 percent of all crimes committed against aboriginal women and 10 percent of all crimes against non-aboriginal women it's a very big problem that is no one wants to really deal with in canada um all right disabled people right here but aren't most sexual assaults very minor now this is actually kind of relative now they do say level one level two level three as discussed earlier and they say most sexual assaults fall into level one category any type of sexual assault can have long-term impacts whether it's minor or major is completely dependent on the person, how they react, how they handle it, and what their mental state is after the fact. So just assuming outright all the time that they're catastrophic, hey, you have PTSD, that's actually a horrible approach because now we're walking into that, are we convincing people, you know, things that they didn't think, right? Here's one, though. Women who have experienced sexual assaults are more likely to attempt suicide. Sexual assaults can lead to health issues such as unwanted pregnancy, gynecological complications, etc. Right? That's pretty obvious. And there can be financial consequences, especially if they're, it's their spouse, right? And it costs a lot of money to deal with and get away, etc. Right? So again, if you know someone is not able to prevent it and protect themselves and it is not their fault because there's just a lot going on and you were able to step in, maybe you should. So here's the, here's one that I'm going to have contention with, right? To avoid sexual assault, shouldn't women take responsibility for their own safety and avoid drinking too much or meeting up with strangers? I know where they're going with this. Only one party is responsible for sexually assaulting or harassing another person. The perpetrator holding a survivor accountable for the violence is called victim blaming and is not only unfair, it is dangerous. Victim blaming leads to many women to believe their abuse is their fault and makes them... Yes, that is the psychological repercussions that can happen, but not always. I am sorry, as discussed... If you're going to go meet some strangers you've never met before, don't get drunk. That's called a good life decision as an adult. You don't know them. If you have a friend who you've never thought any problems, then no. Why would you expect otherwise? But if you've seen that friend act a certain way towards other women, and then you decide it's a good idea to get drunk with them, who says they won't do it to you? In the case where you had never saw it coming, no, it's probably not your fault. 
But if you know that person is like that, it's only a matter of time before potentially they try it on you. And and putting yourself like that, you know, that's why it's a good idea to go in pairs, go in groups, meet people in public places for the first time. Um, you know, introduce through friends, right? You don't really know people till you know people. And it takes three to six months to really get uh, to know people, right? So there is a research linking alcohol to sexual assault, but the fact that alcohol consumption and sexual assault frequently co-occur does not demonstrate actual alcohol causes sexual assault. Well, we know what people's behavior like is on alcohol. And if there have been actually court cases in the States where both parties were drunk, they had sex, the friends of one or both, in some cases, I've read both, convinced them that it was sexual assault and they need to report it. They wasted the school's resources. They wasted everybody's resources. And it turns out when they actually looked at the damn text between the two people, it turns out it was consensual, right? Now, if one party is completely out of it and the other party is sober and sexually assaulted, yes, that's a problem. If, say, two adults were flirting and whatnot and get really drunk to the point where they're not really that in control of their actions, yeah. How is it fair to say that if you drink and drive, it's your fault, but then if you co-drink and end up having sex and then you feel regret afterwards, men can feel regret too. How is that any different, right? The onus is on you in drinking and driving, but it's not on in sexual encounters or parties. You know, I've been to parties where, you know, you get them the mother hand and it's good and bad. That where they're protecting all their girlfriends, and that can be good. It could also be really annoying if the friend is like, you know, can you fuck off already? But whatever. This is opinion on both parts. What this association is saying, that's opinion. I'm sorry. Yes, can psychological trauma be a problem? Absolutely. But it's not always the case, right? I did a, I sat in with a talk from... Uh, well-known UBC professor who's dealing with PTSD. He was a Holocaust survivor himself, and he was saying on average 12 12% of people who are exposed to a traumatic event will get PTSD, which means a large percentage of people don't. So assuming they haven't is wrong. Oh, it's also wrong, right? They'll show signs of PTSD. If you know the person and things are changing, they'll show signs. You will know. It is noticeable, right, when people have it. Um, Telling them they have because something happened to them is, again, convincing them. And they might have been psychologically fine, right? Right. Men and men who demonstrate hostile and hypermasculine attitudes, I do not like that. Hypermasculine is relative. Attitudes are more likely to self-report sexual aggression against women. No, aggressive people are aggressive people. It's got nothing to do with hypermasculinity. It's, that's a bunch of crap. I'm sorry. Aggressive people are aggressive people. Right? You're aggressive. You can be an aggressive female. I know them. You can be an aggressive male. I know them. And in between, I know it's irrelevant to hypermasculinity. That's just a bunch of political crap. In addition, sexism does exist. I have personally seen it. For example, women martial arts instructors, certain people from certain ethnic backgrounds really do not want to learn from a woman, even if they can kick the crap out of them. I have seen it. So it does exist, for sure. Right? And social inequality can compound abuse, etc. How do you know if someone is consenting to sexual activity? Right? They say affirmative yes. I say clear, concise sentences that cannot be confused you know no is not good enough 
Yes is not because saying that outright is ignoring certain people's sexual preferences. Some people like mystery, and a lot of people are really not good at reading this stuff. They're just not. We're pretending like everyone is experts at communication. <laughs> no, clear, long, consistent sentences indicating you are not interested. Right and body language. You're assuming they're saying positive body language. That is totally an up to the interpretation. Does the person even understand to read body language? I mean, come on. You can't be so black and white about this stuff. If communication was so easy, we wouldn't have problems in this damn world half the time, okay? So this is very rudimentary. The way people have been preaching this, I don't agree, right? So if you're not, if you're failing to communicate effectively, which in a lot of cases, I just don't think people are, right? And in some cases, they absolutely are. And then they get aggressive and then the woman fights back. And once you start that process, you keep fighting back. You keep doing it, right? It keeps going like this some of it's good again some of it's politically motivated i get they're being empathetic but you have to be objective and realize there's more to it than than simple black and white stuff as you know with me so you know i think that's good for now if you want to look at these resources in detail you can inform your own opinions i'll put them in the in the blog post right so i'm going to look at a um londonpolice.ca so that's uh london ontario just as a smaller smaller breakdown right so this is ontario crime stats where is it assaults uh pretty consistent from 2015 to 2009 around uh this is just general men and women 2000 ish a year sexual assault 186 2015 233 2016 344 2017 420 2018 416 2019 so the question when you see that oh it's getting worse is it or are people just reporting it more or is it actually getting worse when you read a stat like that you need to really pay attention why is the stat going up it's because an increase in the activity or an increased measurement in the activity or an increased reporting of the activity doesn't say here knowing how to read stats super important right um let me skip to let's look at some american ones so uh this is a statistica.com forward slash statistics six three nine five 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 forward slash percentage dash sex dash offenses dash united dot states dot dash victims dash offender dash relations forward slash tiring right percentage of rape victims in the united states who have had a relationship with their offender in 2013 known relationship 57.6 and by relationship i'm going to go with they know them family relationship 16.6 relationship unknown 15.4 stranger 10.1 percent victim was the offender huh yeah that was an interesting one yeah that could just be their fake reporting when they were the one who was attacked it's hard to say so states pretty consistent compared to canada come it matches it right uh i don't know if i want to read that one that i pulled up uh i'll scratch that one it gets too political um here's one from bbc so that's british broadcasting you know think what you want about them but here we go sex attacks victims usually know the attacker says new studies not really new this is march this is published in march not to study the article in march 1st 2018 so bbc.com forward slash news slash uk scotland dash scotland dash four three one two eight three five zero more than 90 percent of rape and sexual assault victims know their attackers 
a new study of almost a thousand victims. So that is a very good sample group. I just want to say if your sample group for any study, regardless, is like a hundred or less, it's, you cannot draw. And if half the time they're not diverse sample groups, right? Anyways, researchers from Glasgow University said it was a popular misconception that most attacks were strangers. Yeah. In martial arts, I can say we're preparing for those stranger scenarios. For a lot of women, it's not always strangers. So good for my students who are women who learn and consistently learn and stay on it. They are preventing. They are doing what they can to prevent. Right? You can't control other people. You can control what you do. Ownership. So this study looked at 991 women in Scotland who went through the advocacy program, which ran for 18 months. So that's a comprehensive program to go through to help you deal with things. It found that despite many reforms to rape laws, women still suffered as a result of delays in impersonal nature of the justice system. That's universal. All right, the justice system doesn't do good with these situations, family stuff, and uh, whatnot. Study also found just 9% of perpetrators were strangers, 23% of women were assaulted by a partner or ex-partner, 24% were assaulted by a family member, 44% were assaulted by another known person, 32% were reported to the police more than two years after the incident, more than 20, so they late delay in reporting for all sorts of reasons. Right, More than 20% of women look more than 10 years to report the ordeal. 22% had not reported their assaults to the police at all. Right, Pretty consistent. I'm not going to read the rest of the article because it's more just to show this is not specific to one region. Right, Here's another one from the National Institute of Justice. Right? This is American. About 85 to 90... This is published in September 30th, 2008 right? This is going even farther back than the other ones. About 85 to 90% of sexual assaults reported by college women are perpetrated by someone known to the victim and about half occur on the date. So the date thing is set your boundaries, learn to communicate, set your damn boundaries. And if you're not sure, do not go back to the person alone. That decision, that's on you, right? What happens afterwards is not necessarily right get better at judging people right so that's national statistics so you're seeing in america in england canada the statistics are pretty consistent across time is pretty consistent i can guarantee you though again what i said earlier it was worse in the past it's just we're paying attention to it now and we are measuring it now so you know well, you know, you all Harari talks about how the world is better than ever, and it certainly is. But there's a lot of things still very wrong, and also we don't know shit about exact stats from, like, say, over 150 years ago. It's just not there. So we we're in many ways guessing human behavior, like nuances of culture, what's acceptable, not. Um, we can tell through historical records to a degree, but not the whole story. And raping and pillaging. Oh, I was watching a hilarious show to, to detract from this depressing topic. Norseman, would you like to rape and pillage with me? Right? It sounds funny, but that's the way a lot of soldiers were paid. It wasn't until modern armies, like Napoleon and up, where they started making that not standard practice. But before that, so it, early 1800s and before, basically, rape and pillage, theft of property and items was common and normal across cultures. Genghis Khan, Greeks, Romans, less, little less so with those two groups, but it still happened. It was normal. So it's definitely better than it used to be because it's not a standard pay for soldiers. 
uh, uh, Japanese soldiers in World War II, for example, were basically told to go have at her, right? So it's definitely better. Even if it makes it seem like it's worse, it's just that we're paying attention to it publicly now. Right? So now we know the stats. And it's great. And again, the victim-blaming thing. If you're not sure about a person, don't be alone with them. If you know your person you're with is problematic, I, I get the emotions. Abuse is not acceptable. Right? Verbal abuse, it depends if it's verbal abuse or not. If it's very direct and obvious, then yeah, but sometimes it's just people interpret things differently. So be careful with that one. Physical abuse, no. Never. Right? Sorry, if you're with an abusive partner, you gotta leave. I understand the feelings, but you gotta leave. There's psychology behind it? Get it. Gotta leave. That's the answer. Continuing to stay for long periods of time is a problem. And if you have a history of dating the same types of people, men or women, take a deep look at yourself and the decisions you're making in choosing a partner. Since most people are assaulted, particularly women, by their spouses and partner. No one wants to admit it. Oh, five boyfriends in a row. Same thing kept happening. Well, you're picking these people. Oh, they seem nice at the start. Uh, did they have similar traits to the last boyfriend at the start? And you did it five times? You're seeking this out now. No, you're not seeking out the abuse, but you're, you're choosing the same type of person. I know a lot of women who've done that. Not necessarily abusive. They're just dating losers and shitheads, and then they shit on men. It's like, hey, lady, you picked horrible people every time, and you kept doing it. There's obviously a lot of psychology there, but we won't get into it. So I think that's pretty good. I'm sure I'm going to get some hate on this one. But the reality is you do need to take some ownership. Are the decisions that you made partially or fully responsible for leading up for the opportunity for someone to be violent towards you? If the answer is yes, then yes, you need to take some responsibility and change this decision-making skills. If the answer is no, then I hope you can find the mental health help you need. I hope you have a wonderful support network so that you can learn to be better. What I do want is people to know that you trying to help other people, you might be making worse. They may have something horrible happen to them and they're okay with it. You know, they're not okay. It's not a good thing, but they're not PTSD. They're not traumatized. Don't convince them that they are if they're not because you just fucked it up. Okay? It is complicated. If you're not sure, the very least you can guide them towards professionals and experts to help them. Again, victim blaming. Flip a coin. Sometimes, yeah, you shouldn't blame them. Kids, disabled people, and sometimes bad decisions. And that's the part we don't want to admit. We either make it bad decisions ourselves or we continue to let other people make bad decisions. We let politicians make bad decisions. Don't. A good decision consistently will prevent a lot of these problems. So, if you were attacked, truly ask yourself, was it your fault? Could you have avoided it? Did you make the right decisions? Think about it. You're listening to The Warrior's Day. Warrior's Day. Brought to you by 
by Urban Tactics Krav Maga, turning lambs into lions.